Welcome to all of you who are here and uh, to those of you joining us online. Uh, we have a great privilege to be able to worship our God. And it's great to be thinking about a Saviour who is risen. As we heard this morning, God did something that you couldn't imagine a human ever doing in raising Jesus from the dead. And because of that, as we come to God in our situation, we know that there is nothing that our God cannot do. So in our first hymn, we're we're encouraged to stand and praise because we have a risen king. And to praise whether our lives are full of sunshine or whether we've been having a really tough time. Because we know that our God reigns, he's in control, and he's able to do more than we ask or think. So let's join together in seeing come people of the risen king, and let's delight in praising him.
Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, we do thank you that you are God of the whole world, that you are King of creation, and that wherever on this planet your people are, you are their God. And Lord, we thank you that thousands of people are coming to know you for the first time in different parts of the world today. Oh Lord, we thank you that from that cross in Jerusalem, from that empty grave in Jerusalem, your message has spread out to almost the whole world and that people from every tribe and tongue and nation are declaring and are knowing that God is good, that God is a wonderful saviour, that God brings people from darkness into his glorious light. And Lord, we pray for our land. Oh Lord, we used to think years ago of our land being the land that sent people into the dark heathen countries. And yet, Lord, you know the darkness is here. And we we do thank you that your light shines in our darkness. And we pray that as the young people have been away and have been hearing your word, that your word will have been powerfully shining lights into their lives, that those who don't know you will come to know you. Those who do know you will be encouraged in following you and we wanting to share your light, your good news with their friends. And Lord, we don't leave that just to the young people. We pray for ourselves. We thank you that we have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus, whether it's with the people we meet or in our workplaces. And we thank you for the events that we have got planned as a church. Oh Lord, we we know we plan events, but we thank you that everything is in your hand. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to be praying about the people we know, help us to be praying for opportunities, and that you will be moving people's hearts to make them want to find out about you. Oh Lord, we, we, we love to see people here, but we want people to come and know that personal relationship with the mighty living God, that joy of being forgiven, of being in your family, of knowing that you are good and that you are in control. And Lord, we we ask for us as we face life that you will give us that confidence that you are good and that you are in control and that you want us to serve you. Oh Lord, we thank you for the opportunities we have to learn from your word. We thank you for the opportunities we had in home group to hear and listen and work out what it meant for David to be able to say that all his times were in your hands. And Lord, we pray that that will be a a confidence that we have. And we pray especially for those who are going through real turmoil, those who are facing awful grief, those who are facing terrible conflict. Oh Lord, we think of the folk in the Ukraine. And Lord, there are people here 
that have, have trials that we know nothing about. Oh Lord, help us each to cast our own cares on you and be confident that you, you're good to your word. You, you can be relied on and your word tells us that you care for us. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll pour your Holy Spirit out into the lives of your children so that the peace of God which passes understanding will be their experience. Oh Lord, we we do pray that you will comfort us in our sorrows. That you will strengthen us in our weakness. And Lord, as trouble comes, that you will help us to run to you knowing that you are our good and loving Heavenly Father who delights to give good gifts to his children. Oh Lord, we thank you that you understand. And Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry that our love for you often gets cold. We often get distracted by life and things and what we want and our selfish desires. And Lord, we we pray for those whose love for you has got cold as other things have become more important. Oh Lord, we pray that you'll rip their idols away. We pray that for all of us, those idols that we might be tempted to follow will, will, will crash, that you'll be good to us. And you'll take them away so that we're not left grasping at things that don't matter. But we're hanging on to you. That we're giving glory to you. That we're living our lives getting ready for that day when we meet you. Oh Lord, we thank you that we don't have to guess at what our God wants. We have your word. We pray that as we read it, you'll help us to understand We ask that you will take the words that John brings to us as he explains the passage and that they will sink in and that they'll make a difference to how we live. Our Lord, we do thank you we can come to you. We thank you that we're allowed to talk to the God who made heaven and earth. Even though we are so weak and sinful and foolish. And we thank you, you hear and answer our prayers. So do be with us, we ask. Amen. Our second song is one that we haven't sung for a good while. Um, but we will know the tune. And uh, the words speak about a God who knows us, a God who cares for us a God who loves us. So let's stand and sing. God who knows our darkest moments, meets us in our brokenness, walks beside us as a whisper, holds our pain in his caress.
So our Bible reading is in 1 Samuel, and we're reading in chapter 30. Um, At this point in David's life, he's not been doing very well. Um, He's had to um, run away from Saul, and he's actually been living with the Philistines. And he's been making out that he's been serving the Philistine king. And he's just come back from a situation where he and his men were lined up to fight with the Philistines against God's people. But the Philistines rejected him. So you can see that David has not been doing very well. And we come to the events of this chapter. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken the captive, the women, and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons, and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the wife of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the six hundred men who were with him And they came to the brook Bezor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. They found an Egyptian in the open country, and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived. For he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? He said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negev of the Sherethites, and against that which belongs to Judah, and against the Negev of Caleb, And we burnt Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me, or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, there was spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines, and from the land of Judah. 
And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. And David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, son or daughter, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back everything. David also captured all the flocks and herds. And the people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Bezor. And when they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him, when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here's a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth of the Negeb in Jatir, in Aurora in Sifmoth, in Eshtemoth, in Rachel, in the cities of the Jeremalites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Hormah, in Borashan, in Atak, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. Well, John's going to be teaching us from that part of God's word in a little bit. But before that, we're going to sing through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. Let's stand as
Well, there's a special phrase that we're going to focus on mainly this evening from the chapter that we read. Um, It's a, a phrase which has helped me a lot in the past. It's a phrase which came to mind this week when I was writing to somebody who was uh, going through hard times, emailing somebody going through hard times and it seemed a a good uh, verse, phrase to pick up and uh, pass on to them. It's also something I uh, read to Jackie, Jackie Appleton when I was uh, popped up to see them at the Evelina in the middle of the week. Uh, I remembered that it was a special phrase to her, or this account was special to her many years ago. I couldn't remember the details, uh, but she reminded me she taught in Sunday school about the episode Ziklag, and uh, so I was able to read some of this up there <coughs> this week. The phrase is particularly at the end of verse 6 in 1 Samuel 30, and this is what it says. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Or as it is in the AV, and I think the New King James, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I quite like that. David encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Well, the buts are often powerful, aren't they, in the Bible. In Thursday, uh, as uh, so we were reminded this morning, we were in home groups uh, uh, in Psalm 31 and we had some of it read this morning and there's a powerful but. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. And we have a, a but here in 1 Samuel 30 at verse 6. But. But. And uh, This phrase that follows is even more powerful when you see it in the light of what goes before it and you see it in its context. There are going to be three parts to this evening, homing especially in on this verse, but seeing a bit either side of it. And uh, it starts with D and E and F. That's the way it's worked out. And uh, in many ways what we're looking at this evening is a common pattern to the Christian life. So if you've lived as a Christian for any length of time, you would have found this pattern, a frequently occurring pattern. So uh, we're not going right back to basics this evening. It's not the ABC of Christian living, if you like. But it is a a frequent pattern, so I've called it the the DEF of Christian living. This is a frequent pattern you will recognise, you will need to come back to, will help you as you go forward. Well, our experience of it is not as dramatic as David, but uh, it is very dramatic here, and we're going to look at these three parts in 1 Samuel 30. And the first is distress. Distress. So you see at the beginning of verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. And well might he have been. You scan in verses 1 to 5 in your eyes if you've got a Bible in front of you and just uh, recall the gist of it and you see things that cause distress. His world was falling apart really. Naturally speaking, his world was falling apart. 
Now you might relate to some aspects of what he was going through. Um, This is in the section, as we've been reminded, that largely he's on the run from Saul. Saul was pursuing him through no fault of his own, uh, but then he'd fled to enemy territory, which was a a questionable action. And uh, then at the end of chapter 29, there is a big change in his circumstances, as we were reminded. I mean, he lost his employment, which is a big change in his circumstances. He was dismissed from the Philistine army, In fact, in God's providence, it was a tremendous blessing because he would have been ended up fighting against his own people, which would have been something very wrong in itself and certainly wouldn't have helped him in terms of God's plan for him to be the king. How can you be a king if you've got a reputation for fighting against your own people? But his circumstances changed tremendously and he's heading back to Ziklag. And he would have been, and his men were, physically run down. They travelled 50 odd miles. You can see from what happens in the account of chapter 30 that some of them were very exhausted. So these are some of the circumstances which are with David as he heads back towards Siklag. And when he comes back, And perhaps he's looking forward to a bit of respite and some home comforts. And he finds devastation to his town. Instead of home comforts, the place has been raided and ransacked. Verse 1. When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. You've seen devastated cities on the news. And this this was his own town. This was his own base. And they had... They'd lost loved ones. Uh, No one had been killed, but the Amalekites had run off with women and children. Uh, They'd been captured, and the, the future for them was not at all rosy. They would have been sold off as slaves, never to see their folks again. And it happened to all of them, it says, to the whole range of people, verse 2, and taken captive the women and all were who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And David and his men were emotionally exhausted. They were emotionally exhausted. The scene was so upsetting David and his men wept and they, they wept so much that they, they, they couldn't weep anymore. They were just totally emotionally exhausted. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David experienced personal loss in the situation. Now you know it wasn't really in keeping with the creation pattern or with the New Testament pattern uh, to have more than one wife. But they 
did, some of them, in those days. And David had two wives and they were both missing. We don't know an awful lot about Anhinoam. But Abigail was certainly a smart and godly woman and she was gone. David's wives were gone. He experienced tremendous personal loss as he came back to Ziklag. And then perhaps as the situation might not seem to be possible to get any worse, the people turned against him. When things are going wrong, Uh, People like to point the finger. They like to take their frustration out on someone else. And that's what they start to do. And the fingers point at David. Verse 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. They weren't just speaking against him. They spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. They hurt so much and David was being the focus of their discontent and sadness. So it's distress, distress. And and you know experience of distress, don't you? In your change circumstances in your deep concern for loved ones, in your personal loss, in the burden of leadership you carry with its responsibility and its criticism, in emotional exhaustion. In fact, David wasn't just distressed, he was greatly distressed, it says, greatly distressed. Reminds us of the Lord Jesus. He knew what it was to be distressed. If you think of his experience of Gethsemane, Gethsemane in Mark 14, where it says in verses 33 and 34, and he took with him Peter, James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Well, we don't like distress, do we? We hate distress. But we experience it. But you're experiencing it now. You have experienced it. Pressure, trouble, loss, deep concerns, uncertainty, anxiety, emotional exhaustion. It's maybe everyday stress everyday distress, it may be great distress. We don't compare to David. In fact, I I looked at the list of what he went through and suddenly your own concerns just sort of go miniature. Don't you think, well, I'm not experiencing anything compared to this man. Distress, everyday distress, great distress. And what do you do with it? What do we do with it when we hit distress? What will help? Well, there's not easy and pat answers to deep distress and to deep trouble. But there is some real help here. There is some real help here. And we move on from distress to encouragement. Encouragement. We carry on in verse 
6. After his great distress, it goes on, but David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What do you make of that? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What do, what do you like about that? What chimes with you about that? But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. It's a but. Even in the face of great distress, there is a but. But. There is encouragement. Even in the face of great distress. Even in the face of great distress, there is strength. But David encouraged himself, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It's as if he's going down a tunnel and as he gets further from the light behind him, the tunnel just seems to get darker and darker in his circumstances and then he realises he has a torch and he can turn the torch on and it is possible now to go onwards. Things are different. There is a change. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Is it just an, an inner strength? Is it just a case of he strengthened himself? Is it just a case of David pulled his socks up? No, he encouraged himself, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In the Lord his God. He was encouraged and strengthened as he recalled things about God. That was the source of his encouragement. That will be the source of our encouragement. What did that mean? He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. What will it mean for us? Well, I I think it means he started to think about God's um, character. Encouraged himself, strengthened himself as he reflected on the character of God. That's happened, doesn't it? Recalled the character of God. Of God, You've been in your circumstances and then you've remembered that God is mighty and that God is sovereign and that God is faithful and that God is a God of steadfast love and God is a God of compassion and God is a God of grace and God is patient and God is good and God is wise and you find yourself being strengthened as you think of the character of God. There's a couple of little accounts here in Delroth. Davis's commentary on this passage. I want to read one now, one a bit later. This is to do with a, a man, some of you have heard of him, called Andrew Bonar. Here he says, God's people strengthen themselves legions of times, lots of times, in precisely this way, talking about David's experience. Andrew Bonar, Free Church of Scotland pastor, wrote in his diary for October the 15th, 1864, of his grievous wound. Isabella, his wife of 17 years, died, apparently of complications following childbirth. He wrote that on on the day of her death, he had, according to his custom, been meditating on a scripture text between dinner and tea. On that day it had been Nahum 1 verse 7. 
You know that? The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Bona adds, little did I think how I would need it in half an hour after. Bona never forgot Isabella's death. Again and again he mentions it in mid-October entries. I dare say he never forgot Nahum 1.7. But why did he mention it in his diary along with his wife's death? Because he was strengthening himself in Yahweh, his God. It was that promise of God's word that affirmation of God's character that was keeping him on his feet. God's character. What God is like. Reminded somebody in a text this week of Psalm 18 and the pictures of God, that God is, could say, your strength, your rock, your fortress, your deliverer, your refuge, your shield, your stronghold. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. God's character and God's help. God's help in the past. As he remembered when he was facing Goliath and he looked back to the times where the Lord had helped him when he faced uh, the bear and the lion and God had been with him then and God would be with him in his new situation. He was encouraged in the Lord, his God, as he thought of the help that God had given. Another episode in, or another account in this book to do with J.B. Phillips, the New Testament translator, A Christian woman once wrote to encourage J.B. Phillips, the New Testament translator. Phillips endured a great deal of depression and mental distress. (coughs) In the course of her letter, the woman described some of her own sufferings. She had what many would call a terribly unhappy childhood. She had suffered several severe illnesses, but seven years ago had been stricken with polio which left her, fortunately, she said, with a caliper and elbow sticks. But some sort of systemic gangrene set in and made life much slower and more cumbersome. Her husband, a political refugee, developed psychotic tendencies and took took on a whole different personality. When he saw the effects of her polio, who could take it no more, left her and went to Canada, She was to raise three small children on no income, though in answer to prayer the Lord provided. In addition, her daughter's fiancé was killed by a car. That, of course, would have been plenty, but she returned to Ziklag two years after the fiancé's death. The daughter herself was in a car accident, suffered a concussion, but but told no one about it. It was so baffling Then, when she tried to take her life with an overdose of pills, that was caught on only to be followed by two more serious attempts. At last, Philip's correspondent says she had to commit her daughter to a mental institution, after which she did recover. But that was almost unbearable for the time, for she knew her daughter was suffering and was not able to communicate or reach her in any way. Yet she wrote, in all these times, she never knew God to fail. 
Amazing, isn't it? What a list, what a catalogue. And yet she could testify of God's help continually through such, such distressing circumstances. We are encouraged, aren't we? Strengthening God as we think of his help. As we think of his word. Drove me back to Psalm 119. What a psalm. David's psalm. David's attitude to his word. To the word of God that is. Just here's a few. Verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 28. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Verse 52. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Verse 54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. Verse 55, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. God's word is an encouragement. We face our distress and we're strengthened and encouraged when we think of his word. We think of God's promises. David had been given a specific promise. He knew he would be king. We don't have that specific promise, but we're surrounded by beautiful, wonderful, secure promises from God. There is a a little phrase, maybe you've come across it. The future is as bright as the promises of God. The future is as bright as the promises of God. But that's pretty bright for the believer, the promises of God. So in all these ways, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You're finding some encouragement as we just think about it. And notice how personal it is. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. In the Lord, his God. Like Psalm 23, isn't it? Verse 1. God is not just a shepherd. He's not just the shepherd of Israel. The Lord is... My shepherd. David knew that. He wrote Psalm 23. He experiences it here. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And believer, you can do that. Not just encourage yourself in God with all that we've seen, but that he's your God. You can say he's my God. This is true for me. These are relevant to me. This is what he's like to me. Are you finding some encouragement now? Yourself, you can find yourself encouraged in, in, in the future as this pattern of distress which affects us in this fallen world as it comes to you. Can, you. can you take a route like David and encourage yourself in the Lord, your God? We have distress, we have encouragement. 
And we have going forwards. Forwards. That's what we have in this chapter. We have going forwards. Now we have to be careful here. Uh, Going forwards, it can be in many ways a slow process. Uh, There is resting, there is waiting. Uh, Elijah needed to go back to sleep, he needed to eat and drink. Uh, Jesus won't uh, break the bruised reed and he won't quench the smoking flax. So treat all this in that, that broader context, broader setting. But here it is remarkable that uh, David is able to go forward. He's encouraging the Lord his God and then there are some steps he takes. That's how, the, that's how it is in this chapter. In many ways, the end of verse 6, our key phrase for this evening is a, a hinge in this account. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And it may be, in your experience, a a sort of hinge phrase, a big stepping stone. Well, how did it work out? We we, we won't spend um, long going through the rest of the chapter. We just sort of uh, get a feel for it. But the first step of going forward, and it's always the right one, isn't it? He is eager to do what the Lord wants. He's eager to do what the Lord wants. He inquires of the Lord about his situation and what to do. Verse 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. That was a a pattern in those days, a way in which they could consult um, God's will. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? So he inquires of the Lord. He wants to do what the Lord wants him to do. It's an excellent first step. It is the way forward. In Gethsemane, Jesus prays, doesn't he? In his great distress, not my will, but yours be done. And as he inquires and gets a sense of the Lord's direction and the way forward, he follows in what the Lord wants him to do. Verse 9, so David set out. In this case it was pursuing the Amalekites. That's what he has to do. He has to pursue the Amalekites, the the group of people that had raided Ziklag. And he may well have wanted to give up. The situation must have seemed pretty hopeless. How would he track down this mobile group of bandits? They could be anywhere by now. But he's eager to do what the Lord wants. So he does set out. He sets out with others. 600 set out, but 200 soon are far too exhausted to carry on. They have to stop. David carries on with his men and as he does so, he finds God in his providence gives him a masterstroke. They stumble across an Egyptian left poorly to die by the raiding band. 
and with uh, some bread and some water and uh, a guarantee of his safety, he's willing to talk and he's willing to take them to where the band of the Amalekites are at camp. So David and his two-thirds men set off and they managed to catch the Amalekites by surprise and they're able to retrieve all of their losses and head back to Ziklag. And David then is able to deal uh, wisely and fairly with some of the internal squabbles that there are between the band, between those who went and got the spoil and those who looked after the bags. And in a very kingly, fair and just way, he handles the situation very wisely and experiences God's blessing. He's also able to share some of the spoil with other towns of Judah, which is a a genuinely generous act of celebration, but it also paves the way nicely for God's purposes for them later to recognise him as king. So what a dramatic turnaround there is for David. Where would David had been if he'd not been encouraged by the Lord his God? I guess he'd still be in Siglag, don't you? Where would we be if we'd not been encouraged by the Lord our God? So there is going forward, encouraged by God, seeking to live for him in our new situation, in what is right, drawing on the fact that he has said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, whatever circumstances. Well, our going forward, well, it won't be so dramatic as David's. We're not kings, we're not national leaders. But nevertheless, encouraged in God, we'll be able to go forward. Isn't that what it's like in Hebrews 12? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." Distress, encouragement, forwards. Well, one extra thought in this. Um, that's this. We, we have a role in, in helping one another in this way. So there's a similar phrase to what we've been looking at this evening. That's already cropped up in 1 Samuel. Maybe you know of it. It came up in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 16. There is of Jonathan speaking to David 
similar situation in terms of Saul's antics and pursuit. But Jonathan says this in verse 16, or it says this of Jonathan, and Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan went to David and he strengthened his hand in God. So Jonathan said some things which pointed to God, which helped David then to be encouraged in the Lord his God. Jonathan did that for David. And maybe you can do the same. Maybe you can encourage others in the Lord their God by your words, by your interest, by your messages, by your phone calls, by your visit, by your practical actions. Many have done that for me over the years. They've encouraged me in the Lord my God. Many have probably done that for you, haven't they? Maybe you've done it for others. God uses his people to encourage his people in him. So, this evening... Not the ABC of Christian living. Not back right to the beginnings and the gospel and that, which we always have to go back to. But it is, isn't it, a pretty frequent pattern as we go through living for Christ in this fallen world. And one worth remembering. D-E-F. Distress, yes. Encouragement in God, yes. Going forwards, yes. Well, let me just leave a, a minute or two for you to pray in response to what we have looked at this evening. That uh, God might tailor his word to your circumstance and to your blessing. Well, I alluded to our last song, very tying in nicely with what we've been thinking about, thinking of his word and what an encouragement it is for us. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Shall we sing our last song?
when we think of these things, uh, so many of us feel that we have such many distresses. But even in our many distresses, we have been so pleased and are so pleased to be directed to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God and go forwards. We know that some amongst us, in different ways, have distress and great distress and have been through many difficulties in their lives. We thank you for your help for them through those difficulties and we pray that in the current circumstances and whatever is in front of us, that we might find encouragement in the Lord our God and be strengthened to go forwards. We thank you for a saviour who endured such deep and great distress that none of us can fathom and for the way in which he trusted in you in his difficulties and for the way in which that led to the joy of the resurrection as he endured the cross, keeping the joy in front of him. Our minds settle on Jesus, our great source of encouragement, our great example. And we commit to you the things we have learned this evening. Pray for them to be used by your spirit in our lives and through our lives to others. For the glory of your name. Amen.